Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I'm going to start today with scripture. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, the funny thing about this is, who, like the, the, who is the other disciple? So it's Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Well, didn't he love all of his disciples? <laughs> Just saying. It continues. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I don't know why that's important, but it is. And reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, And the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. The account of the discovery of the tomb and the rolling away of the stone is in every gospel. It's in all four of the Gospels. The stone is equivalent to, metaphorically, it is equivalent to a limitation in our belief. That's how I hold my understanding of the stone. And when it is rolled away, it is opening us, it is a reflection that we should all be opening up the limitations in our belief system. As I said before, something may butt up against your belief system here today. But as we roll the stone of belief that is not working for us away and open ourselves up, what are we left with? We are open to a greater understanding of our innate truth, our innate expression. We open up to the deepest understanding of ourselves as divinity. For that is what I believe Jesus was here to teach, that we are the power and the presence of this divine Holy Spirit, living its life and calling it our own, experiencing its love and calling it our own, identifying it so deeply as ourselves that we start to begin to think that we are separate from it, and we are not. Now, we could have a very lengthy and ultimately unresolvable conversation about whether the gospel accounts in the New Testament are literal. And uh, I don't think there's much value to that. I'll let the professors in religious studies discuss that. Because whether yes or no, whether it is literal or not, it doesn't matter. Because the value is in what we might learn from them. What wants to be known is the question that I ask when I read Scripture. Does it surprise you that I read Scripture? Because a lot of people think, hey, he's a New Thought minister. He doesn't really talk about Scripture very much on Sundays. Like, and then Easter comes around and it's all Scripture the whole day. <clears throat> 
I do read scripture. And I read it with this in mind, with these questions, with these questions to be answered. What wants to be known and what is the manner of knowing? In what way might I know and understand more deeply the truths that are being metaphorically and metaphysically represented in these stories? The Gospels that we are presented with in them are the teachings of Jesus, the man, the rabbi, the teacher. And his primary message was this, love only. Love only. And what has transformed, it seems to me, over the last 2,000 years is teaching a reliance on a faith that there is something out there separate from self, which is not what Jesus was about. There is great emphasis given to the stories of the virgin birth, a brutal death, and a resurrection, and and that if we believe the death of this great teacher was a sacrifice, then we are saved from the original sin, that original sin being the sin of awakening and awareness, which is not what Jesus was about. So much emphasis has been put on his story of birth and the story of his death and resurrection that we forget there's a whole dash in there from the date of birth to the date of death. And what happened in the dash? That's what's important to me in my approach and understanding of Scripture. I believe that Jesus was inviting each and every one of us to that greater awakening of awareness and an acceptance to the true nature of our being. He was here to teach love only, Forgive everything. Remember who you are. And in knowing who we are, when we remember who we are, here's the thing. Love only and forgive everything comes naturally. Because how can we do anything but love and forgive in every instance of the expression of our lives when we know who we are? He said, the Father and I are one. He was claiming divinity, divinity of each and every one of us. He was not excluding himself. He was saying, I know who I am, and I know who you are too. That was the teaching. Now, a fundamental part of knowing who we are is this idea, which gives me great comfort. We are immortal. We are immortal. The life essence, the energy that makes up the core, the spiritual aspect of us is immortal. It can never be destroyed. All it does is it shifts form, right? We are mortal on this plane of action, but the essence of us continues on infinitely. It has always been and it always shall be. One of the core concepts of new thought, and this is how it is expressed in the religious science side of things, it says this, immortality is a universal principle, not a belief or a bargain made with the universe for good behavior. God knows only life, its eternal continuity, evolution, and expansion. I think too frequently... We are looking for the next thing. 
We're looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing at the expense of our life right now. And I've been doing a little bit of this, and I've been inviting myself to step back from doing that as much as I possibly can with the anticipation of taking a 500-mile walking pilgrimage in Spain that starts in a week and a half. I think to myself, I'm looking for the thing out there. No, I must be willing to be open to the experience and trust that what is meant to be revealed is revealed. So if we are frequently looking for this next thing at the expense of our life now, this is a short-sighted view, and it leaves us vulnerable because we keep putting it out there, and it leaves us vulnerable to, in this moment, accepting constructs of dis-ease in mind, which leads to dis-ease in the body. To lead, it leads to constructs of destructive thinking in mind, which leads to destructive experience in the world. It leads to constructs of distrust of life's meaning, and we forget what life is all about. The meaning of life, I'm going to tell you a secret. You ever wonder what the meaning of life is? I'm going to tell you. You ready? Your ears perked up? The meaning of life is this. Live it. Live it. Live life with joy. Live life rooted in love. Live life with such abandon that everyone will look to you. And yes, I'm going to make a reference to when Harry met Sally. They look to you and they say, I'll have what they're having. <laughs> it's so, like, it's, it's a simple construct. It's a simple idea, right? It's so simple and we complicate it so darn much. I was going to use a different word. <laughs> I am good at catching myself. We are, each and every one of us, we are in an ever-expanding spiral upward. That is the nature of life. Evolution is the nature of life. We should be consistently evolving ourselves into the next expression and the next expression and the next expression and doing so freely, easefully, and effortlessly, which is what life is all about. It is meant to be free, easeful, and graceful. If God is all there is, and that is a fundamental premise, that is one of the things we teach. God is all there is. God is not something separate out there. God is the everythingness. Yes, I said it. If God is infinite, if God is eternal, then how can we be separate from that? We cannot be separate from eternity. We cannot be separate from infinity. We cannot be separate from the wholeness. That's why we are in a philosophy that has grounded itself in a name called unity, not separation. If God is all there is, then we are some part of God, each and every one of us. If God is infinite and eternal, and eternal then we are as well. There can be no other thing except God. And I think we are still challenged even in the New Thought Movement. This is where I come in as a, as a rabble-rouser because I am, I am on the side of New Thought. I'm on the side of this philosophy under which unity is grounded, for from which unity is grounded. 
that invites us all to make the claim boldly and loudly, we are God. I am God. There can be no separation. I am, you are, we are God. And here's why it scares people. Because people want to believe in that thing out there that has dominion over them. And so when they hear someone say, I am God, they think they're trying to have dominion over me. That's not what we're talking about at all. That is not what we're talking about at all. In fact, Charles Fillmore even said, there will come a day when we speak of God in the first person. He said that like almost 100 years ago. Why have we been waiting so long? There can be nothing other than God, and so I stake my claim knowing my identity and invite you to know your identity and recognize that if we truly understand the identity as divine of each and every one of us, each and every person we encounter, all of creation is divine, then we begin to set our concepts and constructs of mind to release all phobias, because how can we fear that which we are? You have to be willing to let go of the fear, though. You have to be willing to let go of the fear. It is not uncommon for me to walk here in here on a Sunday and think about what's happening in this world. I can very easily look at the news. I'm so grateful I'm about to have 10 weeks of not looking at the news. <laughs> but I could very easily get lost in what is being projected and offered up, which is only fear. I can also understand it and take it in this manner. As I see what is being presented to me, I can be reminded that that is a teeny tiny little sliver of the breadth of God's expression on this earth and in this universe. I think we need to start recognizing and knowing that that little teeny tiny sliver of an idea needn't take our minds off of our inherent truth. We are love embodied and expressed. We can be nothing else. We cannot be anything other than that. Are you willing to do that today? And the rest of you? I swear I'm going to give up that joke. It just, it lands well every single time, right? I have 10 weeks to get over it. God is infinite, eternal. This is who we are. And I'll tell you, this is comforting for me as well because it releases me from what oftentimes drives many people to a religious path. It releases me from a fear of death. That's what drives many people to a religious path because it's like, I have to have my soul saved so that on the other side, I can live in heaven. But that's not what it's all about. What it's about is about making heaven a construct of our life right here and right now. That's the power. 
It allows me, it allows me, it allows me to give into the dash of living life to the fullest. You know, this idea of the dash is not an uncommon idea. I mean, I didn't coin that idea. The dash, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's on the tombstone when it says date of birth, date of death, and there's a dash in there. And think about the breadth of everything that happens in that dash. And yet we eliminate the dash so often from our constructs of beingness. When we give in to the dash and live life freely, easily, gracefully, and with magnificence shining forth, we open ourselves more fully to this moment and this moment and this moment. It releases us from the constraints of the past. It releases us from the anxiety about the future. It invites us to live holy. Jesus taught many lessons during his dash. Among them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand because the kingdom of heaven is a state of mind, not an exclusive experience for some people in the afterlife who did good things here. The kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. Jesus also taught that we should be compassionate, we should be infinitely loving, that we should have faith not in something out there, but in the truth of who we are. What is the level of your faith? That's a rhetorical question. He also invited us to be sincere. No showboating in our faith. We don't need to go. I don't need to go out there, even though we've joked about it. I don't need to go out there with uh, lessons in truth in hand <laughs> on the corner of 4th Avenue and and 6th Street, saying, you are not a sinner. <laughs> you are here to be and express love only, to forgive everything and remember who you are. It might be fun, to, I mean, it might be fun, but we don't need to do that because people are attracted to the way we live by observing the way we live. We don't need to showboat. We don't need to showboat our faith. He also invited us to love our enemies. That's a tough one for people. There is no time for hate in this present moment. He also offered this as a lesson. God in man is man. The Father and I are one. And he invited us to utilize the power of creation the infinite divine power of creation, purposefully in our lives by saying it is done unto you as you believe. Knock, and the door will open. Seek, and ye shall find. Ask, and it shall be given. That's the nature of God as each and every one of us. So those are a lot of the teachings that he offered throughout his ministry he had one last commandment, though. He offered up one last commandment at the Last Supper, and for me, it truly is the most important. In John 13, 34, he said this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That's what he wanted to leave us with. Love. That's it. Love. 
immortality is a universal principle grounded in and as the expression of love. For God so loved the world that it gave of itself by expressing as itself as all creation. It is not a belief or a bargain made with the universe for good behavior. Let your dash be rooted in this idea. Love. Love because it feels right to love, not for reward, not to obtain something. God knows only life, its eternal continuity, evolution, and expansion. The story of resurrection is about the expansion of the consciousness, the idea of wholeness, which is what we fundamentally all are. Every single one of us is resurrected. Will you choose to fly in the experience of living life to the fullest? Will you choose to evolve from the consciousness of love? Who do you choose to show up as in this world? Who would you like to be? Right now, this moment, is the opportunity to do just that. All that is to be is dependent on who you are right now, who you choose to be right now. Be the best you you can be right now. Live the best dash you can right now. Love only, forgive everything, remember who you are. Peace and blessings on this Easter. You are magnificent. Now, I promised last week there would be no homework this week. <laughs> there is no new homework this week. Um, it was pointed out to me that the homework I gave last week could very easily be a 10-week assignment. And so I am in going to remind you of what last week's homework was, and I invite you to let this continue to be your homework for the next 10 weeks while I am on sabbatical. Now, I do want to acknowledge for anyone who's here for the first time, I give homework typically every week um, because part of what we stand for is making spirituality practical, and so this is an invitation to put this into practice in our lives. So this is the homework I invited last week. I invited you to identify your purpose and then write a purpose statement, i.e., my purpose is... You get to decide. There's nothing. No, no I'm not going to tell you what it is. No one's going to tell you what it is. You get to decide what it is. Make it profound, though. Let your purpose be profound. And then also, after you've completed that purpose statement, let all the decisions you make in every moment of your life be made through the lens of that purpose. And I invite you to continue that for the entire time I am on sabbatical. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.